1: Your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-419-2335. 800-419-2335. 419 That's 800-419-2335. Welcome, Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. On radio, the original
0: social media. Welcome, Into Tomorrow, our third of three hours for the weekend of Friday, February 5th. 2021. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And joining us as part of the team to help us answer your calls, solve your digital dilemmas, is my sore throat. Oh, and Beth and Nosomi and Kim and Erasmo and Horatio, we're all here serving that purpose and hopefully solving your digital dilemmas. Kudos right out of the box. We talk about uh, tech news and commentary to our Florida governor, Ron DeSantis. He announced this past week a major push to curb big tech's political bias and censorship with measures including a ban on the censorship of political candidates and mandatory opt-outs of content filters for citizens of our sunshine state. The governor identified big tech companies as the leading threat to American democracy, we agree, and freedom of expression today. And he pledged that Florida would take action. The new regulations announced by DeSantis include things like mandatory opt-outs from Big Tech's content filters, A private right of action for Floridian citizens against tech companies that violate this condition. Fines of $100,000 per day levied on tech companies that suspend candidates for elected office in Florida from their platforms. Daily fines for any tech company that uses their content and user-related algorithms to suppress or prioritize the access of any content related to a political candidate or cause on a ballot and several other regulations, power for the Florida Attorney General to bring cases against tech companies that violate these conditions under the state's Unfair and Deceptive Practices Act. I'm so glad that our state is taking some action. This is the widest and most aggressive range of regulatory and legislative solutions so far proposed by any U.S. state to tackle the problem of big tech
2: censorship and I think that's a big problem. I mean, you know, it's unfortunate that, the, that First Amendment protections don't extend to online and social media. Yeah. But I think, you know, you're setting a, a really bad precedence when you're a media company that's deciding which side you want to get information on. You know, I, you know, I don't think anybody should be silenced, whether I agree with you or not. You shouldn't be silenced yeah. on social media.
0: Well, and if you're going to silence some people and let the Ayatollah Khomeini still say, you know, death to Jews, death to America and all that, if you don't silence that moron, I mean, come on, you know. If you, uh, yeah, but, you know, not to get too political, but
2: one, one reason we love being Americans is because we have the ability to, and the freedom to disagree with somebody.
0: Exactly. And I think that should exactly. be protected online. If, for example, if I want to say our new president is a clown and a buffoon, and has no clue, uh, Dementia Joe, I have the freedom to say that. Now, you may or may well, not agree. I guess you're going to be back in Facebook and Twitter jail now. You pro- well, no, I didn't say it on Facebook and Twitter because they put me in jail for saying it previously. Uh, for, but the fact is that, as you said, we have the right to say it. We can express ourselves. You, you can disagree, by all means. Or you can agree, by all means. Whichever. But I'm glad our Florida governor is saying, you know what, enough. This is, nobody else is taking action. Congress, ha, joke, both parties, thank you, not doing a darn thing about it. Well, he says, enough. We're going to do something to protect our Floridians. Good. Good. So I give him credit and kudos for that. Tom in Dublin, Ohio, listens to our free Into Tomorrow podcast. Hey there.
3: I have an Apple
1: iPad Pro that is approximately four to five years old,
3: and the battery doesn't seem to last very long anymore. Hmm. My question is whether you know if the newer iPads have better batteries that might last longer because that would help me decide if I should replace this one.
0: Well, Tom, batteries are chemical devices, and they do wear out, so we don't expect that anyone will guarantee a lifespan of more than five years. You're likely to still face issues with a five-year battery on any new handheld device. There is some potential good news, though, in that batteries wear out after a certain number of charge cycles. The rough number varies between devices, but the constant is that fewer ones are better. Since new iPads tend to have larger batteries than older ones and generally better power management, there may be slightly fewer charge cycles overall needed, and that means they may last a little longer. Yeah, now, you can also look at replacing the battery in your current iPad. Um, Apple
2: will do it, but you can also look at most phone repair shops if you want to pay less. OEM replacements do at least come with a warranty, but most of the third-party replacements work just fine and will cost you a lot less money. So if you're only looking into replacing your iPad because it's starting to struggle to keep charged, you do have options that will definitely cost you less than a brand new
0: tablet. Oh, sure. Let us know what works out for you, Tom, so we can share it with the rest of our audience all the way into tomorrow.com.
1: can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that.
0: How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site.
1: Our geeks literally come on site. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call
0: 855-399-9886. 855-399-9886. That's 855-399-9886. Thank you for listening. Now it's your turn. Are you podcasting you don't need a lot of expensive equipment
2: i'm recording this on my phone what can get expensive quickly is buying clicks advertising on social media you end
0: up paying for one-time listeners instead you want subscribers subscribers who share your podcast with their friends and that is all about your technique And I wrote the book, Multiply Your Podcast Subscribers Without Buying Clicks. I'm Holland Cook. Look for my free three-minute video, Seven Ways to Supersize Your Podcast Subscriber List, and hear a three-minute podcast about podcasting.
1: Just click ListentoAmerica.com. Finding the right experts to help you grow your business is always a challenge. Chameleon Collective is a hybrid marketing service and consulting firm that is hyper-focused on growing businesses, from digital marketing to optimizing your sales efforts. Our experts drive results. Our work and track history, ranging from innovative startups to Fortune 500 companies, speaks for itself. Learn more by visiting chameleoncollective.com or call us at 1-800-914-0245 today.
2: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases.
0: Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline, our 26th year on the air. And as part of our extensive virtual CES 2021 coverage, we wanted to also present some keynote highlights. We're joined by Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart.
3: Thanks for having us.
0: The great thing about technology is that we have the ability to still meet and still engage and have conversations about what's happening in our world today and, of course, the role of tech some may be saying, why is Walmart at CES? I'm guessing that Walmart is no different when it comes to innovation. So would you speak to a lot of the work that Walmart's doing and how technology is a central part to that?
3: Yeah, well, it always has been. You know, I think the supply chain is one of the areas where people would recognize that Walmart's been a leader from the early days as it relates to how we put technology to work. That's certainly true today, but it's done in a different way than it was in the past. And It's very exciting, actually, the way the company has changed our way of working to put technology to work, whether that's software or the way we use our data or increasingly the way we use robotics in our business. There's a ton of innovation happening here, and it's moving very quickly. And this last year has accelerated that because it had to and our teams have done a terrific job a really strong technology team but the big change that's happened is the way in the way our merchants think the way our operators go to go to work i mean it's it's a very different environment and one that has enabled a lot of progress as it relates to how we serve customers so the way we serve them today is multifaceted and quite different than what we were doing before so we've been here working on modernizing our tech stack, um, changing the way that we work together as teams, and that's resulted in a lot of speed and a lot of innovation.
0: But how do you approach the new and sticking it out for Walmart? How does that look for innovation?
3: Yeah, it's always been true that as business leaders, we have to learn and apply I think that's only sped up over time and our view has had to broaden. I think our perspectives have to change as leaders and and Walmart leadership has been going through that as well. So we are a bit of a connected ecosystem in terms of where knowledge comes from. There are certainly good ideas that come from within our company, from frontline associates and other leaders, but we get a lot of insight from folks outside the company, all types of people, um, business partners that we have, the suppliers that we work with and other thought leaders and we've tried to be pretty deliberate, especially in recent times about establishing those networks and being connected and learning together about what the future of AI will mean or how robotics can change our business and how 5 Gs can going to impact how people want to live and shop and what that means to how we need to change our business. And one of the more interesting things to think about in my view is not any single technology that's changing the world, but it's how they all come together and making those choices about where we invest and and where we don't. I mean, we've got to get better at forecasting demand. Um, So artificial intelligence and the way we use data is really important. And we have to get better at saving customers time. And we've got to be able to personalize to do that. So we need to get better at the way we interact with our customers as it it relates to data, always earning their trust, never surprising them with how their data is used, but doing it in a way that makes their life simpler and easier. Um, robotics is another area we've got automation that's happened in our stores in our distribution centers and more in front of us in the future i was just traveling um, recently down to one of our distribution centers and looking at the next generation of of automation and it's really exciting to see what's what's happening i think it'll help us improve in stock levels help us with inventory turns there's just so much change right now I, just celebrated my 30th year with Walmart, and there's more change happening right now than at any point in, in those 30 years.
0: So you launched Walmart Plus, and that was a significant undertaking, I'm sure. Can you tell us how it's going and how innovation was involved in that?
3: Yeah, we're excited to have finally launched and pleased with how things are going so far. It's just one more piece of the puzzle. You know, we we offer an everyday low price. Our philosophy is we want to manage our pricing strategies and our supply chain to smooth things out and reduce costs as we do that. And so Walmart Plus is one component of us trying to um, serve customers better, give them services on top of that everyday low-price platform, things like delivery from our supercenters and our e-commerce fulfillment centers um, with an annual membership so that you can save money on being able to get delivery. Um, customers want to save money Um, on that, just like they want to save money on merchandise. And so Walmart Plus will be an important way for us to build relationships with customers, to have some data that we'll be able to use to serve them more effectively effectively. Um, We've also got a fuel benefit related to Walmart Plus and also a scan and go function where people can check out in our stores without going through the the whole checkout process. And there'll be other things that will come along to make Walmart Plus more robust. It'll be unique based on our own assets and capabilities, not copying anyone else. And we see it as something that will just grow in time. Um, We've got to build capacity for delivery, for example, and we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves as it relates to how many memberships we're selling. But it's growing nonetheless, and I think it'll be one important component of our strategy for a long, long time.
0: Walmart has shifted considerably, and particularly in the healthcare space. And even before COVID, it seems that it was very important to Walmart. One of the things you've said is that you have a goal to provide preventative, quality, accessible healthcare. And now you have a lot of partnerships, particularly. Can you share with us how Walmart is approaching health and then particularly what you're doing with the pandemic and COVID-19?
3: Yeah, Um Healthcare's been important to us for a long time. You know, we we help cover a lot of our associates. We serve customers with pharmacy and optical and hearing services in some locations. We've had some clinics um, for a period of time. They started out as urgent care, but lately, Walmart Health, which is a clinic offer, has pivoted, as you said, to a preventative approach, which which we think is really important. Um, Our goal is to bring value, quality, and price an everyday low transparent price for services to preventative care in a way that is easily accessible, not intimidating, um, transparent in terms of value and pricing. And so we've been opening these preventative clinics, Walmart Health, now for, gosh, maybe almost two years now. We started in Georgia. I guess it's been maybe a year and a half or so. Um, We're now in Chicago. We've got one unit here in Arkansas and more plans going forward. That's one component of what will be an omni channel healthcare offer, both digital and physical. There are obviously components of healthcare that will always be in person and personal and human in their orientation, but there are other components, the way we use data, um, the way um, digital can play a role. Of course, telehealth has exploded during the pandemic that we can stitch together in a way that we think will be unique in terms of. Um, our approach and leveraging the assets that we have and the culture that we have to serve. So we're excited about that future. Um, We're learning and growing and have new team members here helping to figure that out, which is really exciting. And it's been helpful to have that that capacity, a chief medical officer, for example, and other um, healthcare expertise within the company as we face the pandemic. Um, And our journey started in China um, in January as the pandemic began. And obviously has spread around the world and we've been making all kinds of choices you know policy decisions to support our associates protect their health with operational changes PPE um, things related to uh, to leave policies so that somebody needs to be away from work to care for someone else or they themselves have been impacted in some way all those things are being taken care of Um, I'm in the stores talking to our associates all the time, and was talking with some associates in a store in Alabama a couple days ago, and they're just being so courageous, you know. Coming, I tell them they they just keep showing up and stepping up to serve, and it's it's tough to be in a store environment with. All of the things happening with inventory levels and serving customers, some of which that don't want to wear a mask, even though we have a mask mandate. I mean, it's challenging in the real world to execute this, but they're doing such a beautiful job doing it. Um, We've been learning as it relates to testing, various forms of tests for our associates, um, but also now getting involved in vaccinations. Um, and we're working state by state. Um, New Mexico was the first place that we started, but we're now involved with quite a few states as they make decisions about which groups are in 1A, 1B, 2, how does that impact healthcare frontline workers, but also retail store associates like the ones that we have, making sure that we can handle the the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and do so appropriately and safely. And um, That's a learning process. And we're having to be flexible as we try to operate state by state. But we feel like it's absolutely the right thing to do to lean into this and help figure it out. And so that's the approach that we're taking.
0: You talked a little bit about the business and how it's had to pivot with COVID-19. Can you share a little more about what's changed for you guys over the last several months and how you all continued to provide services for Americans and for that matter globally?
3: As with all of us, I suppose it was a bit chaotic and confusing in the beginning, a lot of uh, uncertainty, and we didn't have a playbook um, that was perfectly um, laid out before this began. So what happened is a, kind of a few weeks in, it became apparent to us there were five priorities that we needed to have in a ranked order. And that helped us focus our minds and set priorities and make choices. Um, the first priority was to keep our associates safe. So every day we're getting up, uh, visiting stores, listening to our associates, asking what more we can do, and that's where all the operational changes, the PPH, PPE changes and the other things that we did all came from. Um, and that was fast. I mean it was amazing to me how quickly our team was able to secure um, tens of millions of masks, surgical masks, for our associates. In the early days, they put up plexiglass across our, our cashier stands in our pharmacy in a matter of days and weeks nationwide, which was incredible to me. I, there were times where our team was identifying something that needed to be done, and they would share with me how fast they thought they could do it. And my internal voice was, there's no way you can do that that fast. But I knew enough not to say that. And sure enough, they got those things done. And so quickly, which was just really impressive to me. So number one was protect our associates, keep them safe. That's physical health, financial health, emotional health and support. All three dimensions are important. The second um, priority was to keep the supply chain moving. Um, You'll remember, especially in the early days, there was pressure on the, the country's meat distribution system and um, there have been really a lot of challenges across food in the beginning and then general merchandise after that. I was in a store not long ago where we 're still really struggling to be in stock on adult bikes and all the things that people want when they 're at home or they want to you know get outside the house, take care of their yard all those kinds of things those The demand really changed on a lot of those items, so that created stress on the supply chain. And we turn inventory fast, so we weren't sitting on stockpiles of things waiting for something crazy like this to happen. So it was a lot of work, and our merchants did a fantastic job keeping the stores in stock and recovering through all of that. Um, The third priority was to manage the business well. I'm sorry. The third priority was to help others. And We forgave rents. We gave suppliers different terms. We did other things knowing that we had cash flow and some of our partners and people that are part of our big supply chain needed help, and we did a number of things. like We we ended up hiring more than half a million people um, in a matter of months, and our people team figured out how to change our hiring process, including the background check, and make it go so much faster. What used to take a week was taking 24 and 48 hours, so we hired bartenders that didn't have a job. We hired you know, all kinds of people that needed to come and work for a temporary period of time, some of which are still with us. Some of them have gone back to the jobs they had before as as reopening has occurred around the country. And the fourth priority was to manage the business in the short term and don't run into in, into any cash flow problems or things like that, which in the beginning were a concern. And then the fifth priority was to try and move forward on our strategy. And, you know, the tailwinds that were created from this pandemic, clearly there were headwinds. Uh, and a lot of challenges related to this whole thing, and none of us would want this to happen. But there were behavioral changes from shoppers that drove our e-commerce business and drove our, our pickup business and delivery business out of from out of our stores. And so we were ready for that to a large extent, and were able to react. And I think many of those things that changed won't go back. You know, the, the pickup business and the delivery business are going to just be bigger and and grow more and we're ready to to make the most of that
0: we're going to take a quick break and then come right back to more from walmart ceo doug mcmillan here on into tomorrow i'm dave graveline stay tuned
1: and meet us at intotomorrow.com do you owe back taxes is there a lien placed on your property have your bank accounts been frozen or seized have your wages been garnished Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 Network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-510-0338. 800-510-0338. 800-510-0338. 800-510-0338.
0: We're back bringing you further into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. Walmart CEO Doug McMillan was one of the keynote speakers during the virtual CES this year. You talked a little bit about what Walmart's doing when it comes to sustainability and the climate. And you mentioned an important thing as we talk about technology, not just to govern yourself, but also working with your suppliers can you speak a little bit about how Walmart sees its role and how you're working again with your suppliers to make sure that they can also make some changes?
3: Yes. And um, we have something that we started a few years ago called Project Gigaton, where we're trying to take a gigaton of carbon out of our supply chain over a period of time. And the suppliers in that instance and in the other cases that we've taken on, whether it's Getting toxins out of our products, or changing how we do packaging, or things like that—they've really engaged, and we got a large number of suppliers that have set their own goals. Um, we obviously are accountable for our own assets um, at Walmart and have our own goals, but we also work with our suppliers to set bigger goals collectively. And I find that the leaders of these companies are like-minded and want to do this, have their own objectives, but when we work together, we can we can create even more benefit. So that's the way that we're thinking about it. And this year, we tried to take it a step further and put a, a big goal out for Walmart to become a regenerative company, meaning that we don't only offset some of the negatives that are in our supply chain, but we do other things to protect natural habitat, um, whether it's land or, or the ocean, um, to give things back in a way that we start to reverse what's happening on our planet and have it heal um, because of the work that that business is doing and that's a big challenge Um, we you know we started this work um, really in a different way in 2005 so we've been doing it for a long time and we're kind of comfortable with setting these big goals and then just being really transparent about when we're on track and where we're not and what we're learning and That took a little time to get used to because, you know, we're used to making commitments and hitting them. But some of these big things, when we set these objectives, we don't know entirely how we're going to get there. We just make the bet that if we focus on it, our teams focus on it, and we work with suppliers, that we'll figure out how to get there. I'm excited about becoming a regenerative company. I think that's the right goal.
0: One of the things in a recent interview, you were asked about your education pedigree. An important thing you said is that you were 29 years educated at Walmart. And I think that speaks to the importance of on-the-job training skills, particularly as we look at making sure that our workforce has the skills that they need into tomorrow, if you will. Can you share a little more about skills training? It doesn't necessarily require a four-year degree to get into tech, for example, or even many other jobs. And we need to make sure that we're providing those skills to people.
3: Yeah. Well, in our case, we've got 2.3 million people and we've got all these jobs. Um, you know, running a Walmart supercenter that does more than a hundred million dollars in sales and employs two hundred fifty three hundred people is a big job, and we have thousands of those. But we also have healthcare jobs and data scientist roles and all these different types of jobs. And so we need to not only hire people who can do them, but we've got to grow our own. You know, we've got. I think two-thirds of our U.S. store management started in the hourly ranks. I started as an hourly associate in a distribution center, and so many of the people I work with did too. So it's really important for our own growth that we have development programs and opportunities in place. Obviously, what jobs you have prepare you for things, but also education and exposure and feedback or evaluations, the four E's we call them, are all components of being able to grow your own. And Um, In recent times, we've created academies across the U.S. About 200 different Walmart locations have classrooms in the back of our stores that are really first class in terms of the technology they use and the way that we operate to to teach curriculum. And we teach things not only related to retail math and retail basics, but we teach things like how to be a coach and how to be empathetic um, with customers and with associates so that you can develop some of those people skills that are necessary to become a leader and we also created something called live better you where for about a dollar a day associates can earn their degree and i was in a distribution center um, in florida or alabama just a few weeks ago i was in both and one of our associates is um was showing me his his certificate his diploma from bellevue and telling me about the experience he's had with his education. He's a forklift driver in a distribution center, but he's furthering his education as part of this program and has career aspirations beyond the job he's doing, which is great. We all do. Um, so I think that's an important investment for us to make. And um, wages are certainly important, healthcare investments are really important. But the way we think about the investments we make in our people is a holistic system, not just what's the starting wage rate for a part time associate. But what do you do for somebody who's been with you five, 10 years and is leading part of the store and on their path to being a a store manager? Those compensation levels and those incentives matter just as much to us as, as where you start. Walmart should be a ladder. Like once you get in, it's up to you how far you climb. And the system that we've set up enables, you know, meritocracy and enables people to be able to do that.
0: One final question, Doug, if I may, particularly on leadership this past year has been tough on everyone. So can you talk a little bit about what you've learned and what you'll take into this year and into tomorrow when it comes to leadership?
3: Yeah, there are parts of it I want to forget. <laughs> but they're definitely going to be lasting leadership lessons. And maybe a couple that come to mind right now is just how capable our people are. Um, and knowing that, you can count on them and trust them. You know, as a leader, you can't make all these decisions. And certainly in a big business, there's no way I could try to make all the decisions that need to be made related to Walmart in any given hour. So we've got to have great people in all these jobs and support them. And during this past year, there were quite a few times where we were facing something that I didn't know the answer to. Um, so we would talk as a team and you could tell that people had thought about the issue and. Get a sense for who might be in the best position to make a call and just empower them to do it. You know, know when to not make a choice, but rather to say, Tiffany, this one's on you. You got it. I got your back. I'll support what you decide. Go, which creates the second thing, which is organizational speed. Um, we touched on it earlier, but the pace at which we've been moving is a different pace. And I think it's sustainable without – without too much fatigue. And fatigue is one of the things that you know we're talking about now and, and are worried about because this thing's not over and we got to keep going. But I think the run rate of the company going forward will be faster um, forever as a result of what's happened.
0: Well, Doug, thank you very much for joining us during our digital, all-virtual CES coverage here on Into Tomorrow.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Doug McMillan, CEO of Walmart. More, much more at
1: intotomorrow.com. people have trusted Renewal by Anderson for their window replacement needs, and you can too. So call right now. Don't wait. Learn how to get your free window when you buy four. 800-296-1440. 800-296-1440. Again, that's 800-296-1440. Interest accrues from date of purchase, but is waived if paid in full within 12 months. Other conditions apply. We've adjusted our operations to serve you safely following all CDC guidelines. Visit RenewalByAnderson.com for details.
0: Because you ask for yet another Into Tomorrow Tech tidbit, I'll give you one. Did you know that in America, it's a federal crime to use your roommate or friend's Netflix account? Yeah, but let them arrest me. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be What are you in for? Uh, Using my friend's Netflix account. You? Murder. Oh, okay. That'll be great. (laughs) You know, that's a little bit odd. Anyway, welcome back into tomorrow. I happen to be sore throat and all. Can you tell? Because I feel like I'm really straining Dave Graveline. I mean,
2: I am, I think, Chris Graveline. And this portion of Into Tomorrow, I know, is brought to you in part by HughesNet. High-speed satellite internet available where you live or work. Text RADIO to 35000 for more info. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000. It's time for our history feature. IFA
1: is one of the largest and oldest tech shows in the world. With this, next look back at IFA's historic past. Here's Chris Graveline. EFA history, EFA history, EFA history.
2: Better guidance for drivers is an old dream. Already at IFA in 1973, a new technology was shown, ARI, or auto radio information. When the broadcasters introduced the service one year later, car radios identified stations with traffic information with a yellow light. In 1981, the car radio got station identification, and at IFA in 1983, travel ARI was introduced, which informed the driver that travel information was available even if he was listening to another station without such information. Radio. That's this week's IFA update brought to you by Messe Berlin. Be sure to visit ifa-berlin.com. Radio.
0: I always like when it's all about radio, because yes. it's the original social media. Well, that's what IFA was originally about anyway. It that's was, very true. It was originally a radio show. Yep. The oldest tech show in the world, not the uh, Chinese electronic show, CES, IFA, because oh, yeah, CES, CES didn't start until the mid-60s, and uh, yeah. IFA
2: started in 1924, so... That's you true. do the math. Yeah,
0: I, I hate doing math. It only that. took a couple of years off for some war. Yeah, some little <laughs> skirmish over there, yeah. but beyond that... It's really rich in tech history because it's what they do and continue to do. And we hope this September coming up, we will actually be physically in Berlin by then. Because you see the button I'm wearing? I got my COVID vaccine. I got number two just this morning. As we're recording
2: today's show. So I'll get in line to get mine once I no longer have the antibodies. But while I have the antibodies, I'm still doing my plasma donations. And I'm proud of you for that. Thank you. And I've learned that once you get the vaccine, you can no longer donate plasma. So at least while I can, I'll keep donating plasma so that hopefully somebody can be helped.
0: Which doesn't make sense because... Do, doesn't the vaccine give us the antibodies as well? And then if you have antibodies, you can donate plasma. Know,
2: but, but every 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 month when I call to make my appointment, the first
0: question, have you gotten the vaccine? No. Good. Then you can still donate. Wow. <laughs> I, I really don't get that. Yeah. But interesting nonetheless. We shall see how it goes. But when you have your opportunities, by all means, get the vaccine, I think. Because the first one 21 days ago, and I got the Pfizer stuff. You need the two of them. I'm a little concerned about this Johnson & Johnson one because they say you only need one, but it's only like 65% effective as opposed to 95% effective. I'll go with the 95%, thank you. And, of course, they were talking lately about how we might need booster shots, too, with these other variants that are coming from various places around the world where we might need a booster as we go. Wonderful. You know, just you know what? Just mail me the needles, and we'll just do them. <laughs> because I going to have to go every time. But kudos to Memorial Healthcare Systems here in South Florida. They I didn't have to wait. I didn't have to drive and sit in a car for six hours. I, boom, made an appointment, went right in. You know, social distancing, et cetera. Got the shot, beat feet. Although they wanted to watch me for fifteen minutes or so. Okay, fine. Watch me. I'm not doing anything. I don't dance or anything. Watch me. Can I go now? Yep. Okay. Thanks. so everything was good. But do get it when you have the chance. So many people have been responding to my Facebook post about, not me, you're more brave. It's not a matter of brave. I had only a little bit of soreness for about a day and a half at the site where they injected. Now, the one I got the second dose today, so far, knock on wood, I haven't felt anything except just weird, but that's me. Um, But I I imagine by tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to feel where little soreness is. But beyond that, there was no side effects. I didn't have any problem. Yeah, well, you know, and I know that some people that I've known personally that have had COVID, it's been
2: like no worse than, you know, just a small cold. But after what I went through, and certainly after what you went through, it's not
0: something I want to go through again. Oh, for sure. I mean, one of our guys, Mark, who used to be with the show for many years, said, you know, good, you've had enough of COVID, no more for Dave. And it's like, good point. I mean, I hadn't thought of it that way, but hopefully the vaccine does its job. And even though I'll still social distance and mask and do the whole thing, all the nonsense we got to deal with, wash my hands and hand sanitizer the heck out of them. I hopefully won't have another issue. But I've been social distancing since before it was cool anyway. That's true. (laughs) You're so antisocial anyway. James in Murfreesboro, Tennessee listens online, and we love you, James, using the Into Tomorrow app to join us.
1: You are and have always been my go-to spot for technology and Uh information on technology. Well, thanks. I have a new question. I'm in the market for a new laptop, and I keep seeing something about a new type of SSD. Can you explain to me the difference between the old standard SSD and the new ones that are coming? Thank you so much for what you do, and I love your family.
0: Well, thank you, James. We love you, too. That's very kind of you. You're probably, though, seeing NVMe SSD. NVMe stands for non-volatile memory. It's not really all that new at this point, but it's slowly becoming the norm. If you think of an older SSD, which is really weird to say because they're still relatively new, looking like an HDD or hard disk drive, a rectangular box meant to fill in the same spot the hard drive took up, NVMe SSDs look like a stick of RAM memory.
2: Yeah, SSD drives that used SATA connectors had to implement some standards that weren't really optimal for SSDs. So the NVMe drives are better suited to the technology and may result in better performance, though any SSD will be good, really, um, and can make better use of multi-core processors. They will also take up a lot less room, which may or may not matter to you. If you're just buying a new laptop, our guess is that it probably doesn't matter. Um, you really can't go wrong with any type of SSD, though. They will all be performant and energy efficient, so don't obsess too much about the type unless you're a real power user.
0: I like how you called it uh, NVME. Yeah, I've
2: heard it called both. I prefer to use NVME.
0: Yeah, because it's it's spelled as capital N, capital V, capital M, small E, yeah. so I like to look at it as NVMe. Yes, because well, you N- like people to envy you. To envy me. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, I guess there's that. No, I don't either. I, come on. I don't have that much of an ego. Do I? I'm going to You it the fifth. You better say no. (laughs) But uh, NVMe or NVMe, either way. Thanks, James, for your kind words and for checking it out, giving us an opportunity. Intotomorrow.com, there's more there for you. Attention. Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19. But you can't go it alone. It's Into Tomorrow, and we thank you for tuning in. If you missed any of the previous two and a half hours of today's broadcast, we hope you visit us at intotomorrow.com Sign up for the free podcasts and always get all three hours Oh, and by the way, if you haven't seen the videos from the past three weeks of all of our CES coverage, showing you our guests and many of their cool new products we invite you to do that and even of this week's broadcast several on video so you can see what's going on and in the future we're doing a whole lot more zoom interviews and taking the audio for our radio broadcast but having some video for you when you can swing by into whenever you have a chance and check it out i'm dave graveline i'm chris graveline don't forget you can listen 24
2: 7 on our website streamguys.com helps us stream the last several weeks of into tomorrow non-stop
0: at n dot com, Michael in Tyler, Texas, listens on KTBB. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dave. First of all, we'd like to say congratulations on the anniversary of the show. Well, thank you. And second, what is a good watch? Would it be the Apple Watch, or would you go for the Android? In note, I have both phones. Well, Michael, because I'm a droid and surrounded by iPhones, except Nosomi, he's an Android, too. Yay! I'm well, finally... can't all be perfect. <laughs> well, he and I don't drink the Kool-Aid, so I would obviously say an Android watch. But there are going to be a few things to consider. The first is, what do you want the watch to do? If you have both Android phones and iPhones, then you probably use one for work and perhaps one for your personal life. So which do you want the watch to be involved in? Which phone's notifications are important enough to get on your wrist? Which things do you want to track the most? The other big thing is an Apple Watch is an Apple Watch. They're solid. They last a long time. So I hear. Uh, They work, but most importantly, they're made by Apple and no one else.
2: Yeah, and Android watches are really Wear OS watches, and there are lots and lots of different ones. If you look at something like Samsung's Galaxy Watch line, which is what Dave and I both use, mm-hmm. um, they're all going to be pretty good. They make different kinds of different lifestyles, some more discreet, some more rugged, but they're all good watches, and it's mainly a matter of choosing the one that adapts to your use. For example, running in the rain a lot may call for the
0: active models. Oh, there you go. Now, see, that's kind of funny because I've recommended, not recommended, but talked more about the Apple Watch. They are more expensive, too. Too. And you, being an iPhoney, still enjoy your Samsung smartwatch. Mainly because it was given to me and I didn't have to buy an Apple Watch because yeah.
2: I'm not going to pay that kind of money for a yeah, watch. You don't have to be that honest.
0: But <laughs> no. Now, if you look at some of the generic ones out there, your experience will vary. Even some recognizable brands have put out watches that haven't lasted and haven't fared very well. Yeah. Now, if you go with an Apple Watch, you'll have
2: support and updates for quite a few years. If you go with one of the more solid Android brands, like the Galaxy line we mentioned, you probably will as well. But if you go with a budget brand, your experience may differ
0: greatly. Yeah. If you've never heard of it before or the company, for example, avoid it. Now, not always, because sometimes we find these gems of startups that really do a good job, but not necessarily in the case of smart watches so far. Yeah, and
2: Wear OS watches will get most of their functionality when used with an Android phone. Apple watches will get most of their functionality when used with Apple phones, mm-hmm. but they do both work with the others. You just don't get as many
0: features. That's true. More for you at intotomorrow.com.
1: Bringing you the latest in consumer electronics and technology, this has been Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline. To participate with Dave and his tech geniuses and win prizes anytime, 24-7,